Hey everyone, what's going on? I'm Coach Mike and welcome to this episode of the MindFit Method Podcast. All right, so today we're going to talk about the evolution of physical education now requiring a revolution in physical education based on what society's needs are today. Because what is going on in the world today, especially with kids, um, with our health, with our activity levels, our nutrition, um, all of those things absolutely needs to change. So today we are going to dive into the revolution that needs to happen in physical education. So the giant question is this, how do we as parents, teachers, school administrators, policymakers, coaches, how do we prepare our kids for a future that doesn't yet exist? All while making them healthier, more creative, more innovative, better problem solvers, and overall successful contributors to society. That is the question, and this podcast has the answers. My name is Coach Mike, and welcome to the MindFit Method Podcast. So physical education has been around for a really long time. In fact, physical education actually began in ancient Greece. So all the way back in 386 BC, uh, Plato is actually who invented and created physical education. And he did it. He started hosting uh, classes at his school that was called Academia. Um, Way, way, way back then. And Plato really understood the importance of teaching children about physical fitness. And students um, then would start to take his classes at the age of seven. Now, he was a skilled wrestler. And he really believed that education and physical activity combined helped uh, really one attain what back then was perfection. Um, Now, that physical training back then helped prepare students for careers as warriors or athletes Um, You know, back then the common sports were like wrestling, boxing, chariot racing. So it is a very different world today, but that's kind of where physical education started. And then it didn't really happen until like the mid-19th century that physical education really started in the United States. Um, And again, for our purposes, physical education initially was to train um, educated soldiers for battle. So it was to put them really in better physical condition Um, for war, unfortunately. And shortly after the American Civil War, schools enacted laws that kind of necessitated physical education programs in public schools uh, to prepare the future generations. Now, once we hit World War II, physical education kind of became common for both men and women, really to work on their physiques um, for both combat and now for manual labor. Um, Since the military draft rejected some men, Uh, Because of childhood nutrition, uh, President Roosevelt introduced the National School Lunch Program to improve uh, children's nutrition. So really what was happening was they were focusing on the body um, and physical activity. Then they started to focus on nutrition. Um, But shortly after that time frame, there began a rapid weight gain in American children. And at that point, uh, President Kennedy actually became an advocate for physical education and for the world of nutrition and really trying to teach health um, to our future generations. And here's an interesting side note uh, of something that occurred around the time frame of World War II. Um, that is actually when the burpee was created. So I don't know if you guys have done a burpee or not. If you haven't, um, definitely try them. They are a very, very effective exercise. If you have tried them before um, and you're like me, you know they work well, but you probably hate them. 
And it's literally a process of standing up and then moving yourself into a, in a specific uh, process down to the ground, doing a push-up, then standing back up, jumping, um, and then repeating the process again and again and again. And the burpee was actually created by a scientist. People don't realize this, but the burpee was created by Sir Edmund Burpee, who was actually um, hired to develop a better way to assess a soldier's fitness level. Um, and if you ever get the opportunity, check out uh, the mindfitmethod.com website because on it, I actually uh, go through the process of explaining why, scientifically speaking, the burpee is the most perfect exercise uh, that someone could do. Just a little tidbit there. Now, everyone in the world knows that regular physical activity provides numerous health benefits. It provides leaner bodies, lower blood pressure, uh, improved mental health and cognitive functioning. Um, but even though we know all these facts, as Americans, we're still becoming more, more sedentary and more obese each year. Um, now, school physical education programs promote physical activity and can teach the skills as well as, um, as really change the behaviors. It's not just about teaching the skills. It's actually implementing the behaviors. And that plays an important key to honestly influencing our health and our well-being as an entire country. When we start to improve the health of our younger generations, we are doing so for many, many, many years to come. But really to improve the overall health and the fitness of kids today, we really need to rethink the design and the delivery of school-based physical education programs because the way we're doing it now just isn't working. Now, I believe in order to truly have an effect on this, we need to look at two specific areas which are currently in place but just, in my opinion, are not being used the way they need to be. The first is physical education, which is going to involve the actual physical activity and the exercise. Now, there is a very distinct difference between the two of those that I'll get into in a minute, but both physical activity and exercise. And the other side of it really has to deal with nutrition and health and making smart choices. And believe it or not, I think part of the issue that we're dealing with right now is we have eliminated in so many school districts a certain subject that was taught for many, many, many years, and that subject was home economics. And I will tell you that on the nearly seven years that I spent on a board of education, I am just as guilty as anyone else in regards to the elimination of home economics because when we were looking at what programs we were going to have as a school district and STEM was so important, home economics got put to the side. And I have to tell you, it is so important because kids today don't know how to cook. Um, I learned how to first do the things that I could do in a kitchen, actually not from my mom, nothing against my mom, but it wasn't from my mom. It was in home economics. That's how I learned to cook an egg. Um, as simple as that sounds. And since we are having a situation today where there are so many different avenues where we get our nutrition from, or let me rephrase that, get our calories from, because so many times there is not nutrition involved in those calories, um, it's become so easy. We live in the world of DoorDash and Grubhub, where um, not only now is fast food available 24-7 as it has been for many years, but now it's available 24-7, literally delivered to our doorstep. And I firmly believe that home economics needs to be reintroduced to the world of health class because it's something that absolutely needs to happen. But let's go back for a minute and talk about the exercise side because 
According to the you know, federal guidelines, it suggests that children and youth need at least 30 to 60 minutes of accumulated physical activity on all or most days. Now, notice it says physical activity. It doesn't say physical exercise. This is problem number one. Um, instead of focusing on activity, we need to focus on exercise. Activity is walking, right? Um, in fact, we all buy fitness trackers and eye watches and things like that so we can track our steps every day. Um, steps are important and activity is incredibly important, but there should also be that built-in fitness um, time frame in each day, and it doesn't have to be long. If you've read the MindFit Method, you know that um, as I did my programming for over a thousand kids um, over the time that we were open, um, our workouts really ran between the eight and 14 minute range. If you're working at a high enough intensity level, that's all you need to work at. But please notice that I said physical activity and exercise, not sports. Sports in many cases is physical activity, but in many cases it's not exercise. And look, I love sports, um, but the sports that I tended to do were more on the fitness side than they were on the team sports side. Um, I was a cross-country runner. I was a track runner. Um, I did play basketball. I did play soccer. But um, for me, it was all about the physical. And what we're finding now is that there is an incredible percentage of students in the United States that do not play sports in high school. In fact, only 57.4% of American students are athletes in high school. 57.4%. It's a really low number. But here's what's really interesting when you dive into that number a little further. That number actually peaks in ninth grade. So in ninth grade, it's about six, almost 62%. And by uh, senior year, it's below 50%. So by the time kids are leaving high school, less than 5 in 10 are actually playing sports. Now, here's an even more disturbing number. Because when you move from high school into college, you're not going to believe the number of the percentage of kids that actually play sports in college. Okay, um, It is just over 7%. Now think about that for a minute. The majority of our physical education programs are sport-based, yet by the time someone gets into college, only 7% of all kids are actually playing sports. So sports are not the way to go when it comes to physical education, especially in this day and age. The focus now really needs to be on the implementation of fitness programs. And there's a lot of different types of fitness programs. Um, you could do Pilates, you could do yoga, you could do CrossFit, you can do uh, calisthenics, you can do you know weightlifting and bodybuilding. There's so many different areas of fitness that someone can focus on. But we have to move away from the sports side. And I know a lot, a lot of you sports lovers out there are probably yelling at me right now. But understand, when you actually dive into the numbers, and again, I've talked about how the importance of statistics um, for people being able to assess and look at information, when you look at these numbers, they don't support the idea of physical education being a basis on the rules and how sports are going to go and playing sports. Because as they become adults, they just it doesn't follow the kids. And that's a huge problem today. But what is following the kids is the fact that their overall health is declining, their body weight is increasing, um, which is just putting them at risk for so many uh, you know, future problems down the road. Now, recently, um, a physical education presented an interesting argument, and it was that 
when it comes to fitness and exercising in, in physical education classes, um, there's a social component that can make it um, very uninspiring for kids because based upon their fitness level, some kids are going to be better than others and it can be very uncomfortable for some kids to work out. And honestly, I'm going to disagree with that 100% if the class, if the fitness portion of the class is run correctly. And honestly, that notion of some kids being better in gym class than others has gone on since the dawn of time. That's the gym class hero that we've always talked about. But this is important because if you're setting up a fitness program that is 8 to 14 minutes long, if it's stationary-based um, or station-based, meaning they're either staying in one spot and doing the exercise or they're moving in, into different stations and doing different exercises at each point, if the exercise is intense enough and you're moving them correctly through the program, honestly, these kids will not have the time to be able to look at or, or the, the attention, honestly, the person that's working out next to them. The other thing is that in a fitness class in, in physical education, score should never matter. And I wrote a whole chapter in the MindFit Method on this because there was something amazing that happened when kids who didn't know each other exercised together and did a very um, intense uh, workout together. It, was, it, it put them in a state of vulnerability, but it was a state of combined vulnerability. They all felt the same vulnerability. And then they were able to work better on the education side, specifically the STEM side, um, after they had gone through that together. So kids being able to work in that high intensity level, if it's done correctly, absolutely um, is the best possible situation that they can do. They, they need to do this and we need to implement this. Now, so many times when it comes to fitness, and we do this as adults too, we just get in our own way. And I'm going to tell you an interesting story. I visited a um, elementary school once and I walked into their, uh, their gym and they had a pull-up bar on the wall. And right bounded to the wall, right in front of the pull-up bar, there was a little like sign, a little plaque that was screwed into the wall. And I thought maybe it was like the person who held the pull-up record or you know how many pull-ups can you do, something inspiring. And when I walked over to that pull-up bar and looked at it, you'll never believe what it said. In front of this pull-up bar was a sign that said, do not hang from bar. Now, as crazy as that sounds, and I know why it's there, it's because we live in a litigious society today where someone's hanging on a bar, someone's not paying attention, someone falls. But guys, pull-up bars were created to do pull-ups. In order to do a pull-up, you have to be able to hang from the bar. Um, so the, again, we get in our own way so many times. Um, if Again, if you've read the book, um, right in the beginning, I talked about a teacher um, who had called me. Her name was Linda. She was in a local school district, and I had advised her for someone that had a um, high level of ADHD um, to initiate her class with about 90 seconds of exercise. And she really gave me a lot of pushback initially, but she did actually try it. And this here's the part in the book that I did not say, um, is the after story of that, because she did eventually try it. She had great results from it. And she called me a couple of weeks later. And when she called me, she said something that absolutely broke my heart. She said, thank you. She goes, honestly, what you uh, suggested I do worked unbelievably well. I loved it. The kids really enjoyed it. It's so unfortunate that we're not doing it anymore. And I kind of paused for a minute. I'm like, what do you mean you're not doing it anymore? Like, why would you not be doing it if it worked and the kids loved it? And they said, well, a couple parents complained because they didn't want their child exercising in front of somebody else. 
And I just put, I remember putting my head in my hands and thinking, we are destroying ourselves. Like that is such a incorrect thing for us to do as parents. Um, what it requires is that these types of exercise sessions are administered or administered correctly by the coach or by the teacher. If that is happening, especially if kids are in a line, if they're lined up and they're all facing the teacher and they're doing a combination of sit-ups and then push-ups and then squats and then burpees, whatever it may be, they're not having time to look at the person that's two, three, four um, kids down next to them. That's just not happening. So we need to get out of our own way um, when we constantly say, oh, well, we can't do that because of a social component or I'm concerned about my, my son or daughter's fitness level. Um, everyone should be concerned about our kids' fitness levels. And honestly, it's the same premise. We're, we're so worried that we want to make this look perfect. Uh, I hear people say all the time, um, oh, I'm going to start a new fitness program. I just have to get in shape first. That doesn't make any sense. And we shouldn't place those expectations on kids either. So fitness in the um, physical education classroom needs to happen not once a week, not twice a week. I'm going to say three to four days a week. If you can pull out five, that is even better. Um, if you're doing the programming correctly, you'll be able to do that. Change the time frames, change what the exercises are. Um, but today, school districts should be investing in things like concept two rowers, ski ergs, things that are above and beyond just the you know basketballs and footballs and soccer balls and all those things that we generally invest in. Our kids' lives and our kids' futures depend on this. Our own healthcare system depends on this because if you notice, have you noticed what a business healthcare has become today? I mean, have you ever thought about that for a minute? How many times do you hear a commercial for a hospital on the radio? There's a reason for that. It's because they know there's lots and lots of people that are constantly going to get sick. And it's because of the life choices many times that we make. So they are vying for our business. They want our business. It's really not healthcare. It's sick care. And I've said this before, but it's sick care. Um, this is a huge change and a, and a huge thing we really have to pay attention to. But now I'm going to take it even a step further. In addition to implementing true and real fitness programs in a school district, we need to take one extra step. And that step is to actually teach kids how to develop their own workouts. And I am not kidding. I know fitness is this big, gigantic, complicated, what's best, what's perfect world. But in reality, it's not like that at all. And I'll tell you a true story um, of one of my own kids. Um, when Ethan really got into fitness and working out, um, initially I was writing every one of his workouts. And you know, he'd come to me, dad, I got to do this workout. I got to do this workout. Um, it didn't take very long. And this all happened during COVID. It didn't take very long for him to start programming his own. He started to realize, okay, if I'm doing this one, I should do this one. If I'm working this muscle group, I should work that muscle group. He was creating his own workouts. Um, I don't need to create my kids workouts today. Um, 14, 16, 18 years old, they designed all their own workouts. Um, imagine if we actually taught the process of designing uh, workouts, an actual fitness workouts to kids. They could absolutely do it. They could figure it out. It's really not that difficult. We've just made it complicated because we've made it an industry. So that is something to really think about too, of taking that next step. And just one last note on the fitness side of this um, comes to things like the president's physical fitness test. 
Um, I think it is absurd that if we are administering uh, physical fitness tests in gym class, when you're not actually working on a child's fitness level, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, I remember my oldest when he came, I think he was in fourth or fifth grade, maybe he came home one day and he said, dad, I have a question for you. He goes, why do they test us for pull-ups in these physical fitness tests if they don't have us do pull-ups at all for the entire school year? Think about that for a minute. That's a very fair question. Nothing else. Could you imagine in any other subject giving tests on things that the kids never learned or that they never practiced? There'd be an uproar. So then why are we doing it in the world of fitness and exercise? It's not fair to the kids. And if anything, it's degrading to them because they're not making progress year after year after year, but they're also not being worked on that topic. And I kind of touched this on this before, but the other side of this really is health and nutrition. Um, even if you're an adult, you no matter how much exercise you do, you cannot exercise your way out of a bad diet. I mean, I see that meme all the time on Facebook or Instagram, but it is the truth. It's especially true for me. I can work out perfectly six days a week, but if my diet falls along the wayside, um, it doesn't matter. I will gain weight. Um, it's just, I'm at a point now where it seems if I consume more than 1,850 calories a day, um, I gain weight. And I hate to say it, but it doesn't even seem to matter what calories I eat, whether they're good or they're bad. If I consume more than a specific amount of calories, I gain weight. So we really need to be able to talk about nutrition with the kids too. But again, not just saying, you know, here's the food guide pyramid, which I still see some places use and honestly is the worst tool ever because nobody eats like that. Show how to actually make a plate. Understand what a thousand calories is. Um, understand how much sugar is inside of soda and, um, you know, sweetened teas. It is unbelievable. Um, look at coffee, right? So many Americans drink, drink coffee every day. But as soon as you put sugar into that coffee, you turned a coffee into a dessert because now you have a high number of calories just from sugar in that coffee. Um, we need to start teaching kids more things. But honestly, it's going to begin with the preparing of the food. And that's where I talked before about home economics. We've got to change our mindset. we got to change our premise of what is important today. While it may be really easy to go on our app and order DoorDash, um, for the sake of our health, it's really important to be able to actually understand what makes up a good meal, how much is in a good meal, how much do you need as an individual, and how to actually cook that meal. So the two biggest takeaways I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say in this, number one, obviously, we need to be able to teach kids to um, that how important it is to work out, uh, to incorporate fitness in their daily lives, but we got to take that next step and be able to show them how to create their own workouts as well. And trust me, I'm sure there are plenty of adults that would love to know that information too. And the second point comes in the world of nutrition. Let's stop or let's not stop at just talking to kids about here's what makes up a good meal, here's good calories, eat your leafy greens, things like that. Let's actually go back to the world of home economics and actually show them how to create those meals, how to cook those meals. Um, because otherwise, we're just going to be left with a lot of DoorDash and a lot of checking out our steps on our iWatches, but not actually incorporating physical exercise into our day. 
I hope you guys really liked this episode. If you did, please give it a like, or even better, if you would share it with someone else, if you think it would help them, it would help our goal of trying to reach as many people as possible to really encourage both families, teachers, educators, and kids to develop stronger minds and smarter bodies. That's all for now, everyone. Take care.